Today we're going to talk on the subject, Jesus the Miracle Worker. Jesus the Miracle Worker. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 2. John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. John chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. If you do not have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. John chapter 2, bless you. Verse 1 says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, man, was Jesus getting snarky at his mom there? Like, what's up? Woman. Why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Verse 3 again says, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. If you've ever been to a wedding... If you've ever participated in a wedding, ever been in a wedding, uh, you know that with weddings come extremely high expectations. Extremely high expectations. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, This is specifically true for the bride. Because the bride, by the age of two years old, is already planning her perfect wedding. Two or three years old, four years old, five years old, they're, they're imagining in their mind their perfect wedding. Now, my, my sister-in-law, Ricky, is not here, so she's watching on Facebook Live. I hope she is. I'm going to call her out for a second. But, like, I, di- I didn't know how true this was uh, a- a- until she showed us her wedding planning thing. She says, I've been planning this for a long, long time, right? And so she had the blueprint. She had instructions. She knew exact every detail. She knew it already. And that's just a, 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 just a, a sign, really, of, of many women, many brides as well. They, they have this image in their mind of this perfect wedding. And so with the wedding comes extremely high expectations, the perfect flowers, the perfect reception, the perfect dress. You have all these things in your mind about what's expected in this wedding, this high expectation. But what that does is it also puts a lot of pressure on the preacher. I've done my my fair share of weddings, and let me say, man, there's a lot of pressure to do it perfectly, to do it right. Don't say the wrong thing. 
Don't say the wrong name. Don't do anything wrong. Like, and, 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 and if you've been to weddings, then you know the reality is most of the time there's no such thing as the perfect wedding. Something, whether big or small, always doesn't go as planned. In our wedding, you know, I, I, our wedding, I, I would consider our wedding a, a great wedding. In our eyes, it was perfect. But, you know, you find out after the fact that certain things didn't go as planned or certain things didn't go the way you, you had planned for them to go. Uh, I've done enough weddings to realize that, hey, things don't always go as planned. Things Sometimes uh, you have to call an audible on certain things, and you just kind of make do and you make it happen. Uh, I have some pastor friends who've, who've done weddings before where uh, uh, this didn't happen to me, but where they they, uh, the the groom was somebody that they had known since they were since they were little. The bride he had just met maybe about a year or so, and so he was asked to do the wedding. And so as he's performing the wedding ceremony, uh, he said the name of the groom's previous girlfriend. True story. Things don't always go as planned. I heard a story of another wedding where the actual uh, groom, about an hour before he was getting, going to get married, he started to back out. And he says, I, 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 I can't do this. This isn't for me. Well, the father of the bride and the brother of the bride heard about this. And so they took the groom out to the back and they beat him up. They beat him up and convinced him, no, you are going through with this wedding. This is going to happen today. And true story, there are actors, actually pictures of the groom uh, on the platform. He decided to go through with it, but he's got cuts and bruises on his face from dad and brother. Things don't always go as planned. So there's, but there's still such high expectation on the wedding day. High expectation on the wedding day. Everything is expected to go perfect. Isn't it interesting that Jesus decided to perform his first miracle in an environment of high expectation? High expectation. There are those of you in here this morning that are believing God for a miracle. You have high expectations. You're believing God to do something miraculous. You're believing God to do something supernatural. You have a high expectation. You're believing God. You're praying to God. You're hoping to the Lord that he can meet this need. You're hoping to the Lord that he can perform this miracle. You have a high expectation. Well, here we see in this wedding, there's a dilemma. There is a problem. There's been a very big deal. There's a very big situation that has happened. They have run out of wine. They've run out of wine. Now, if you know anything about these uh, uh, wedding ceremonies and celebrations during this time, it was pretty customary that wedding celebrations and receptions and parties lasted for a whole week. They partied for a whole week. Can you imagine that? 
And it was the responsibility of the groom's family to make sure that everything was provided for, that everything was, every need was met in order for there to be a celebration that lasted a whole week. I mean, there wasn't even that much emphasis put on the ceremony itself. It is all about the celebration. Well, here we are, not even halfway through the celebration, and they run out of wine. And wine is the star attraction of the celebration. There's actually an old Jewish saying that says that where there is no wine, there is no joy. Somebody just say amen to that. Don't say amen to that. Where there's no wine, there's no joy. And so now we see this dilemma that now they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine. And so in their eyes, man, now there's no more joy. And so this problem arises. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is brought to her attention. And she goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And he says, woman, what's that got to do with me? Like, and, and I don't really feel like he was being snarky with his wife and with his wife, with his mother. Don't, don't, don't put that out. Jesus did not have a wife. Jesus did not have a wife. But I don't feel like he was trying to be smart with his mom or anything. But I, but I think he was, he was doing what a lot of us would probably do when they said, hey, Jesus, they ran out of wine. He's like, look, man, I, I didn't put this thing together. Like, this got nothing to do with me. Like, I, 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 what do you want me to do? But I love his mother's response. His mother didn't even pay attention to that. All his mother said was, hey, whatever he says to do, do it. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do something. So listen to him. Whatever he says to do, just do it. Jesus has the solution. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know how he's going to make this thing happen. But somehow, some way, he's going to work something out, and it's all going to work out. And so we see this faith in Mary that, 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 that many people just don't have, this idea that, look, I see the situation. I see what is going on. But somehow, some way, Jesus is going to come through in this. And so the problem that many of us face is that many of us stop at the fact that there's no more wine. In other words, many of us stop and focus and put all our attention on the dilemma. We put all our attention on the problem, on the issue. Maybe it's a phone call you receive. Maybe it's a diagnosis you receive. Maybe your bank account is like on zero. Maybe something's going wrong and you're like, you got some some, some gut-wrenching news. Whatever that is, for many people, we stop right there. And what happens is your whole entire life begins to revolve around the problem. And you begin to be led by the problem. There are some of you in here today that are being led by your problem. You're being led by this big dilemma that has happened in your life. You're being led by this this bad news that has come to you in your life. And your whole life is revolving around the problem. Your whole life is revolving around the issue. Your whole world is flipped upside down. But I believe that many of us need to take this faith that Mary had. And you need to take the problem. You need to take the dilemma. You need to take the issue to Jesus. 
Jesus, they don't have no more wine. I don't know what you're going to do, but I know you can fix this problem. And in the same way, many of us need to take that issue, we need to take that problem, take that dilemma to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I believe you can do something. And so Mary, moving in faith, just says, do whatever he tells you to do. And I believe for many of us in here this morning who are expecting God for a miracle, believing God for something supernatural to happen in your life, some of you initially just need to do whatever Jesus says to do. Do whatever he says to do. Now, for some of you, that's going to stretch you. For some of you, that's going to make you very uncomfortable. For some of you, it's not even going to make sense. But we need to take that same faith to say, whatever he says, I'm believing for a miracle. But if you, you tell me something, if you want me to do something, I need to do it. How this played out in our life, the very first time I really saw this play out in our life, it happened uh, when my wife was about, she was probably about two months pregnant with our oldest daughter, Sophie. And I've shared this story before, but it, it's so, it just, it just hits so home with this message today because she was two months, about two months pregnant with our daughter, Sophie. And uh, she came to me one evening and she said, Chris, she said, I really feel like I need to quit my job and stay home with our children. See, I, I think I need to stay home with our children. And me, being the great man of faith that I am, said, what about your income? This ain't going to work. This two income, these two salaries coming in, like, is nice. It's comfortable. Like, What? What are we going to do? And she says, I just feel really strongly that this is something that I've been called to do. And so after some talking and we said, well, let's, 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 let's pray on this thing. And I knew she didn't even need to pray on it anymore because she already knew what the Lord had already showed her. I was the one that still needed to pray on it. And after some praying and, and some talking about it and thinking about it, and literally, I, I, I kid you not, it was the first and only time I think I've ever heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard it before. It's never happened again. But I literally heard these words sitting in my bedroom. You don't trust me. I heard it. It was so clear that I yelled out to Nancy thinking, like, what did you just say? She's like, I didn't say a word. And I knew at that moment, that was God telling me, you don't trust me. And so we began to take the initial steps. We began to say, okay, this is how it's going to be. This is what we're going to do. You know what? If, if this is what you feel the Lord is calling you to do, then, hey, we're going to pray and believe that God is going to take care of us. But there's some practical things that we need to do. Let's start saving more money. Let's start saving more. Like, like, let's make sure we got some good money in the bank so by the time you, you put in your resignation, like financially we are good. And so we started saving money. 
just saving money, throwing her paycheck in the savings, in the savings. Like, okay, we're feeling good. We're starting to see the cushion. We're like, oh, we're good. We're good for two months. We're good for three months. Like, we're good. I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get peace. I'm like, this is going to work. God is going to meet our need. We're going to be okay. And then it was one Wednesday night, a little over 12 years ago, sitting in this sanctuary. We were sitting over in this section right here. And a, a dear friend of ours came in the door. It's a single mom. And uh, she came in and didn't come in asking for a thing, but she came in at really, she, she needed prayer. And she came under some very, very hard financial struggle, financial time, where the point where she couldn't pay her bills. Things were just happen, just piling up on her. And she just came in for prayer. She didn't come in asking for anything else, but just, just pray for me. And she was just weeping and hurting. We prayed for her, came and sat back down. And I felt like this, this prompting in me. I felt like the Lord was just pushing me and prompting me to say, hey, you need to bless her. You need to pay some of her bills. I said, what? <laughs> Wait a second, God. You know our need. You know what we're trying to do. My wife wants to stay home, like, like, and, and, and we're, we're got money in savings, like, we're, we're, we're building that up, like, and, the, and, and, and my daughter's coming, like, right around the corner, like, and I felt like the Lord's saying, you need to give her money. You need to pay some of her bills. And so I talked to Nancy about it, and Nancy said, whatever you feel we need to do, let's do it. And so it was, it was, we, we, we approached her with it, and it was really for us, and I'm not saying this to brag on it or anything, it was the most significant gift we'd ever given anybody financially. It was, it was, it was large. Like, it, it, it really, really, like our savings went from here to, like, it was one of those gifts, right? And, but we just, we, we blessed her with it. We knew we needed to do it. I felt strongly that we needed to do it, so we just did it, and we're like, God, okay, I don't know how you're going to do it, but we've been saving, we've been, we've been giving, we've been faithful, so I don't know how you're going to do it, but you can do it, God. And let me tell you something. My daughter, Sophie, we thought, well, we still got a few more months left till she's, she's born. We're going to start saving again. No, God had a plan. Sophie came two months early. <laughs> two months early. And so two months earlier than I thought, my wife had to put in her resignation at her job. And let me just tell you something. Since then, we have never been without. We've never been in dire need of anything. God has always provided. My wife is the best stay-at-home mom, best homeschool teacher on the planet. And I love my girls. They're great. But we have never been in need. He is always provided. And here's, so, here's something pretty cool. And I just thought about this last week. About five years later, five years later, just out of nowhere, this friend of ours comes to our house. She comes in and she says, I just came back, came here to pay you back. Everything you gave me, she wrote a check for. And she goes, I, just, I came to pay you back. 
five years later, unexpected, didn't expect anything to happen, weren't expecting, and just money came just like that. I'm just trying to tell you, sometimes the Lord will have you do something that doesn't seem normal. And you may say, but God, you know the need that I have. You know the miracle that I need, but I need you to be just like Mary and say, whatever he says to do, just do it. Some of you need healing. You're believing God for physical healing. The Lord may be telling you and say, you know what? You haven't gotten your healing yet, you know, and and I don't want you to fret. I don't want you to worry about that. But in the meantime, I need you to go pray for sick people. You're at a restaurant. You get the prompting on somebody that somebody needs to be prayed for. I need you to go pray for them. Or maybe you got a financial need. You're believing God for a financial miracle, a financial breakthrough. What is Jesus saying to do? He's saying, hey, man, you need to save. Stop eating out so much. Get practical. You need to give. You need to tithe. You need to give. You need to sow. Whatever you need to do, whatever I'm telling you to do, just do it. Even if it doesn't make sense. And so she says, whatever he says to do, just do it. And so Jesus, verse 6 says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. You go down to verse 8, it says, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now, now I want you for a moment to be in the place of these servants. I want you in a moment, just imagine yourself in the place of these servants. Jesus says, okay, you see these, 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 these jars over here? I need you to fill them with water. And so they do it. No wine, water. Just fill it with water. And then he says, I need you to take from the jar and take it to the master of this event, to the the guy running the show here. I need you to take him this water. And so can you imagine these servants going into these jars and dipping into these jars and pulling out water? And like, oh, man, what? Take it, take it to the man, take it to the guy. I don't know about you, but if I had been that servant, I would have been like, hey, man, this is crazy. I'm not about to take this guy some water. He's expecting some wine. But that lady said, whatever he says to do, just do it. And so she, he, he, he dips in the jar. He pulls out water. And I don't know how this worked out. I don't know exactly when the water was turned into wine. But imagine with me for a moment is as he's taking it to the man, as he's taking it to be served, somewhere in between the distance of him from the jar to taking it to be received, somewhere in between the miracle occurred. 
Somewhere in between from the jar to the man as he's walking through, maybe a little apprehensive, maybe a little nervous, maybe a little scared. Somewhere in between, maybe the water turned to wine. And by the time he got to where it needed to be served, the wine was already ready. The wine was already there. All I'm telling you this morning is sometimes you need to just do what he says, even if it doesn't make sense. And sometimes you find yourself on the in-between. Like, this is still water, Jesus. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to be made a fool of. He's going to knock this out of my hand and say, what is this mess? I wanted some wine. But the Bible says that they take it to be served. And he takes it and he drinks it. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They knew where it came from. They were witnesses. They saw the miracle take place. And they were just acting out of obedience. They were taking the necessary step of faith they needed. And they got to witness this miracle. It says, and then he called the bridegroom aside. And he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after. The guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. See, not only do you need to do what Jesus tells you to do, but I believe we also got to get to a point where we believe the unbelievable. Do you really believe that Jesus can do what he says that he can do? We sing songs, you're the God of miracles. The God of miracles, the one who is to come. Like, you are that God. You are the God that can do the supernatural. We sing it, but do you really believe it? Do you believe God can work a miracle in your life? Do you still believe that God can still heal the sick? Do you believe that God can still come through for you, whatever your situation, whatever your need is? Do you really believe that? Because, see, walking with God often prompts us, and we have to believe the unbelievable. I'm going to pray for this sick person, believing they can be healed. I'm going to pray over our financial situation, believing, God, you are going to provide everything that we need. Some of you are believing, God, for somebody in your family or somebody close to you to get saved, to come to Jesus. You're believing wholeheartedly for that. And the way that they're living their life, the way that their lifestyle is, you think, man, that's it. I don't see that happening. Maybe those of you that are believing God for the salvation of a loved one, for the salvation of a son or a daughter or a family member or a friend, you're believing wholeheartedly that they come to Jesus. What if in the meantime, Jesus said, hey, look, 
I know you're praying and believing God for their salvation. In the meantime, I need you to go share your faith with everybody else. You're believing for the salvation of your son? Okay, great. But in the meantime, I need you to go share your faith with people at work. In the meantime, I need to go share your faith with the people at school. Believe the unbelievable. Believe that what God says he will do, he will do it. I believe in miracles. I believe still in the supernatural power of God. I don't make any apologies for that. I believe that for my own life. And I believe that for your life. What are you believing God for? What supernatural thing are you waiting and just hoping you see God moving in your life? What are you believing him for? Have you done or are you doing what Jesus said for you to do? Are you stepping out in a place of, of discomfort? Are you, are you stepping out in a place that is stretching you? What are you doing to make your steps move forward towards that miracle you're believing God for? And do you believe the unbelievable? Maybe God will do it. Maybe he won't. I don't really know. Well, yeah, he'll do it for that person. That makes sense. But I don't know if God can really do that for me. Believe the unbelievable. Believe that God is going to do everything he said he was going to do. Believe the promises of God. Don't become cynical towards the miracles of God. And I think, and unfortunately, that's what some of us have become when it comes to the supernatural. We become cynical. I don't really know if he's really going to come through like that. I don't really know if he's really going to work a miracle like that anymore. I don't know if he does that anymore. I don't really know if he's going to heal like he said he would, so why even pray for healing? Because it might not even happen anyway. Believe the unbelievable. Do what Jesus says. And here's what we need to know. And here's what we need to understand about the miracles of God. When God is involved in anything, man, always expect the best. Always expect the best. Always expect the best. Everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine. But man, for whatever reason, man, this groom, this wedding party decided to bring out the best. You know what's so cool about this miracle? I was telling Nancy this yesterday. What's so cool about this entire miracle is the fact that you have a bride and a groom that probably didn't even know this even happened. How many miracles is God working in your life that you aren't even aware of? All this bride and groom knows is they're celebrating. 
They don't know about the dilemma. They don't know about the issue. They don't know about what's going on. But for whatever reason, behind the scenes, Jesus is working things out that could have been very disastrous. Because what's so interesting about this is is that if they had run out of wine, that would have been a disgrace on the groom and his family. That would have been an embarrassment on their part. Because they're responsible to provide. They're responsible to make it happen. But if not even in the middle of the ceremony, they're out of wine, that would have been an embarrassment on their life and their family. They would have said, man, if they can't even provide for this ceremony, how's this groom going to provide for this bride? But behind the scenes, Jesus worked this miracle for this couple that didn't even know it happened. What if behind the scenes right now at this moment, Jesus is working a miracle right now that you're not even aware of? See, when it comes to a move of God, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to miracles, man, we can always expect the best if God is in it. We can always expect the best. Ephesians 3.20, we know this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In other words, God is able to do things that would blow your mind. But do you believe him? Do you believe him? And if you're believing God to do something in your life today, you're believing God for a miracle. Are you doing what Jesus says to do? Are you doing what he's told you to do? Do you believe the unbelievable? Do you really believe that God can really heal you? Do you really believe that God can really come through for you? Because if you do, then expect the best if God is in it. God doesn't do anything subpar. Our God is a God of excellence. God never does anything status quo. He never does anything according to our standard. Our God can do far more than you ever imagined. Our God can blow 